you're like so gay. It's already been another damn week. I know. <laughs> and now it's time for another damn episode. <laughs> hey, sexual deviants. And sexual deviant wannabes, what's, what's up? Go- what's going oh. on? Ooh, Welcome oh. to Queering the Air. <laughs> My name is Matt. My name is Aaron. And we are your hosts, but we can't host. Because it's a pandemic, and that is not oh a good God. idea. True. <laughs> Anyways, I'm pretty proud of that one, actually. How are you? How hot is it there? Dude, it's 100 degrees today, but it's good. That's brutal. It's quite a weekend. Yeah, it's 100 today and 107 tomorrow. So Oh God. Yeah, what's what's going on in your life? What's going on in my life? Um, not a whole lot, really. I mean, just there's nothing happening in mine either. So let's just go into the interview. Just kidding. Okay, bye, everybody. Um, (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean, I've just, you know, chugging away at school, still trying to find a job. So again, anybody out there, give me a job. Get it right. Get it tight. Get it right. Booty, 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 booty. Labor Day weekend, or it was by the time everyone listens to this, you know, it was Labor Day weekend. So I hope that We both went into labor. Yes. Congratulations. Uh, <laughs> you are not the father. <laughs> no, things are good. Um, by the time by the time you read this, it's already too late. I don't know where I was going with that one. Sorry. What's going on with you? Just working. Ooh, just, just twerking. Twerking on my fitness. He's my witness. Ooh. <laughs> Who who's your witness? Fergie herself. Oh, the Duchess. Okay. Um I am just Hang in. I've been really busy. I'm working on a documentary with Shelby, and I'm really yeah. psyched about it. Yeah, and then... What, what can you tell us about the documentary? It is about a, a, a site that is now becoming super popular, and it is going to be live in about a month, I believe. I don't know how much I want to say, because I haven't talked to her about it on, on, like, if we should, like, publicly speak about it, but... I think it's going to be good. It's going to be like a 20-minute video on her YouTube channel, and then I think we're going to make a longer cut of it as well. That's like an hour and a half long because we we have so much to talk about in it and a lot to unpack. So I'm looking forward to it. I know you've been working really hard on it, so yeah. I can't wait to, to see the final product. Yeah, it's going to be cool. Working on podcast things. Yeah. I hope all of our vlogs. listeners... I do hope all of our listeners know how much Aaron puts into this podcast. It is unbelievable the amount of work he puts in every week to making sure this happens so make sure you give him some love in his dms because he works super fucking hard because i a, you, am mommy. way too i'm way too dumb to do any of this stuff i don't know how to do any of it and i'm also way too busy reading things i'm a little nervous and i this is something that i haven't talked to matthew about yet but i was going oh, to oh boy okay i'm a little nervous about like what it'll look like once i go back to work work full time like i still want to make sure that we have an episode up every single week but like there might mm-hmm. be some weeks where like maybe we don't have an interview lined up and we'll just talk about something going on like i think that we want to have like I, I want to try to have an episode up every single week for sure. It just might be like a little bit different from what it is right now, depending on what life yeah. looks like when I go back into the office and things like that. Just trying to yeah, trying to sure. approach things realistically. Matt and I do all of our interviews through Zoom. 
and he's on the east coast i'm on the west coast so like we're not in the same time zone and then when we're scheduling with other people some it's it's hard to coordinate three different schedules it's a logistical nightmare at times (laughs) yeah it's not like thank god thank you to everyone who's been a guest so far because everyone has been super um flexible with us and like worked really well like worked very patiently with us while we try to like yeah. schedule everything but it's not like an easy thing to do no, when you're in multiple not. time zones i think it definitely helps that like i am just constantly at home like i don't ever actually have to go anywhere um mm-hmm. for all of my um responsibilities and engagements so you're engaged <laughs> No, but fucking everyone would stop asking me when I'm gonna get engaged. And I'm like, put that pressure on the straight people. We don't do that. Yeah. We don't put those pressures on our gay relationships, okay? But, yeah. Um, Tell them. St- I think we're, we're definitely gonna get creative in the future. I think we've got a lot of really cool ideas um, for the future of this podcast. We are both approaching this as like a, a an interesting. Um, creative exploit and like we're not necessarily set with the format that we've been doing we have some other ideas that we want to try out we've heard a lot of suggestions from people um as to like other things that we could be doing so you know there will be there we will continue to post episodes every single week but they might not look exactly like they they do now but i promise they will continue to be insightful informational a great safe space and entertaining as fuck yes and if you ever and if it ever is not any of those things, just turn it off. Or let us know. But let us know. Let us know in a nice constructive way is what I would like to say. Mm. Because there is a very um, fine line between criticism and, like, hate. And, uh, yeah, criticism goes a long way. Also, a general rule of thumb for us and for any other podcast that you listen to, like, please don't give someone, like, a negative review online. Like, it really is, like, shitty. Just DM them and say, hey this is my feedback but like doing it in like the in the apple podcast things it like really sucks because it's like there's nothing that anyone can ever do to change any of those and it just fucks with the algorithm don't fucking do that it's really shitty it's really rude to give someone like a one-star rating on apple because it's just like you know it doesn't really give us an opportunity to learn from what you want us to change get better and then be able to like continue to grow i mean it doesn't like bother me when i see bad reviews it just like pisses me off because i'm like god damn it like (laughs) there's nothing to do to like erase it you know it'll be there forever more like of course we're gonna have haters like means we're doing something right seriously or something really really wrong no, I don't think so, because I think if we were doing something really, really wrong, someone would get off on telling us about it. Yeah, that's true. You were actually in my dream last night. Um, we had a big... We actually did get into a fight um, in my dream over email. It was honestly really aggressive. And it was I was like, really I, aggressive? No, the whole situation was pretty aggressive. I don't know what we were fighting about or like what we were arguing about, but I just remember I had like a... I wanted to send a follow-up, but it sent... I was like, oh God, is it going to like fuck up the um like the thread like am i gonna send this and then he's not gonna see the first email like <laughs> it's like what am i like what is going on that i'm dreaming about these things yeah what are you stressed about dude I, i'm not that's the thing I, I probably should be but i'm not i had a couple beers i had more beer than i normally do yesterday i had four last night were you, were you blacked out No, but I was feeling a little rough this morning, which is pretty embarrassing. I mean, they were, like, bigger. They were, like, 
extra IPA, so it was like that's like my worst nightmare. Yeah, it's like my dream come true. Oh. But <laughs> as similar as we are, I like really don't think we could have different drinking habits. Like I don't I couldn't tell you the last time I had liquor. I had wine once in the last like six months yeah i think i've only had like two beers in quarantine i haven't really drank that much i try not to drink during the week which is pretty easy to do and then the weekends come i'm like ooh, maybe friday night i'll have a beer and then saturday night comes i'm like i should get drunk oh wait i have a lot of shit to do tomorrow so i'm not gonna do that what a cycle at the beginning of quarantine it was like drink every night like this is sick like having a great time and after like two weeks of that i was like wait a second this is fucking horrible yeah <laughs> i'm not healthy i, I was feel also, horrific have you been drinking a lot um in the beginning of quarantine for like two weeks i drank a lot and then i realized that it was like horrifically bad for me and i felt terrible and i was like not sleeping and all of these things and i was like this is not sustainable like we are going to be in quarantine for longer than three weeks so then I didn't drink for like two and a half months. And then starting in June again, I drank a little bit. Starting in July, I started to drink semi-frequently again. I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to not drink during the week and just have like one night on the weekend where it's like if I want to drink, like I'll give myself the option just purely because I'm like, I don't need to do it. There's nothing to drink for. But it's just like nice to like have a glass of wine but also like my quarantine circle has expanded a bit to include a few more people now so it's like i'm starting to see those people more frequently like like i hang out with my friend jason most nights and he's a big enabler and he's like come on like let's just go get a bottle of wine and i'm like okay fine so i i've been been ending up drinking more because i've been my circle has is now including people who who are who are being like let's go drink so oh god so now that that's, that has be, been reintroduced into my social life, um, yeah, I've been drinking a little bit more than I probably should be. All right, let's get to the interview. We're... Yeah, definitely. If you enjoy the podcast, remember to subscribe or follow wherever you get your podcasts and to give us five stars on Apple. Woohoo! Today's interview was super cool. Um, we talked to Gray. I was super psyched when she agreed to chat with us because I met Gray through our friend Meg, who was in an earlier episode. Episode two. Yes. I guess she was our second guest. And Meg, you know, talked to me about Gray and was like, she would be amazing, but I don't know if she would like be open to like talking on a podcast, which is totally valid. Like it, it takes a lot of, takes a lot of, I guess, I don't even know, guts, nerve, whatever to like, to agree to be in a podcast episode that I don't want to discount. Like people are sharing their personal life stories with us for us to then share with you guys who are listening. So it's like, it's really, it is putting yourself out there. So I was, whenever, whenever people say yes to, to being a podcast guest, like I always want to highlight how, how huge that is and how much I appreciate it. No, I think it's super important to say. I mean, it's super real. So thank you, Gray, for chatting with us. And let's get into the episode, I guess. Yeah, hope you guys enjoy. Great. Okay, so Lizzie McGuire was your sexual awakening? Is this what, is that what I'm hearing? Me? She was one of them. I would, I don't know. I did probably have a crush on Hillary Duff, though. Okay. I think I saw her in concert twice. Wow. Now, you wow. say did, like, past tense, so I'm I'm a little confused because she's still 
on fire hot. So and she's still one I mean, of the least like, problematic people to ever come out of like the Disney. She like might be at her hottest right now. And did you did you see that photo set of her like getting engaged and she puts the ring on and then she like starts sucking the guy's dick? I mean, you don't see anything. You just like see her kind of get down. It's so iconic. Hillary Duff proposal and blow job My- pictures, <laughs> twenty ten. <laughs> NHL star recently proposed to his celebrity girlfriend, Hilary Duff. Lucky for us, the paparazzi was on hand to catch the romantic moment for all eternity, including the storybook after engagement blowjob Hilary Duff gave Mike. Wow. The ring cost a million dollars. Like I said, she's probably at her hottest. And on that note, hi, Gray. How are you? (laughs) Well, dry is the first word that comes to mind. Um, But then the second (laughs) word is I'm well. Comedy is my defense mechanism, so everyone that's listening, get a seatbelt and buckle Please. up. Please. Okay, are you ready for this? Do you know what Do you know what a Chinese crested dog is? A what oh, dog? Those yeah, like Chinese crested so dogs. They're like the oh ugliest. yeah, they're so cute. They're so gross, and one just ran by in front of me. Ew. They remind me of like eczema with four legs, and I kind of like that a lot. You guys are both gasping, but I'm laughing. Honestly, they, they remind me of like. They remind me of Mugatu. Is that an anime? <laughs> yeah. It's, it's uh, no, from Zoolander. It's, it's Aaron's oh. alter ego when his hair gets too long. Ooh. <laughs> I am Mugatu right now. Yeah. I haven't seen Zoolander since I was in the closet, which was a very long time ago. So I, I don't remember key parts. Anyway, Gray, who are you? <laughs> what a loaded, saucy question. I feel, well, feel like... free to answer however you please. Yes. There's so many answers to that question. Um, I often like to put myself in pain and, and look on Facebook in the albums that I still haven't yet to delete uh, for personal reasons, like putting myself through pain. And I see myself in these albums and I go, who is that person? In conclusion, I feel like I've been 20 different people up until this point in my life. Um, I also, I actually just listened to your episode with Ms. Wick. Yeah. Um, and I also have a queer That's twin. our second episode. If you haven't checked it out, <laughs> go check it out. <laughs> Get that plug. It was very, it was very good. It was very funny. Um, I learned a lot actually, which was kind of cool because I think I'm the opposite perspective. Like she's this like queer femme in the world and I'm like a queer masculine person in the world. I Yes, I also have a queer twin. I never really thought that it was a thing until I came out and people were like, that's cool. And I also have a, a gay older brother. Um, oh my God, uh, the gayest family yeah. ever. Yeah, it was a fun time coming out in uh, 2009 <laughs> in high school in rural wow. New Jersey. Very rural, very conservative, like pretty repressive all around. Um, Lovely. Yeah, I I was a pastry chef for like six years. I lived in New York for nine years. Um, I went to culinary school with my twin because I didn't want to go to community college and live with my parents. And uh, I realized that I didn't like it, but by that time it was too late and I was already working in restaurants. Uh, and then I would watch all of the servers literally not give a shit about like the menus I would create. I started serving and I started making like triple what I was making Uh, as a pastry chef. And then I kind of just, I don't know, I stuck in hospitality. Um, Me and my twin were going to open a restaurant actually right before COVID happened. Um, I am plant-based. I would say vegan, but so many people would call me out on it because I 
I'm not really like, I have docs. I just bought docs. Anyway, moving forward, she's not plant-based <laughs> or vegan at all. Uh, so the concept was like, it was called twins. It was like a dual restaurant. So same items, but one's vegan, one's not that kind of thing. I love uh, that. Oh, that's really yeah. cool. Kind of like a nineties inspired, like we would just have spice world playing on a loop in the background. Oh, you are, oh, you are speaking <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> He's obsessed with oh the spice my. girls. That is the best. It's the best movie ever created. Oh, it's, oh. I mean, it's definitely up there. So yeah. And then all this stuff I, happened. I and, could, I could yeah. not be more into this idea. Oh my God. It's a great idea. Sorry. A lot of people tell me to, to continue to do it. Don't <laughs> apologize. I felt that it was palpable. Um, and I, wow. <laughs> Gosh. I'm, I'm crying so, a little bit. Aside from that, I've just been trying to deal with, um, all of the things that come with being quarantined with your twin and your ex-girlfriend, uh, and trying to navigate through mental health while still making money because my unemployment right now. Like that's very relatable to sounds like quite a time. How old are you (laughs) and what are your pronouns? I am 29 years old as of a few weeks ago. Really? Happy birthday. Yeah. Thank you. Whoa. I know. I would have never guessed. It's it's all the water. Sorry, water that I drink. Water. Um, (laughs) Oh, are you are you from South Jersey, Philly? (laughs) I sure am. Uh it's I don't know. People say I have an accent, but I don't. I don't agree, but it comes out when I say certain words, I guess. Um, and my pronouns are she <laughs> slash they. Whoa, what does that mean? <laughs> Ooh, ah. Ooh. Uh, <laughs> what, you I say that, I, but I actually, I do, I am interested to hear from someone who uses she, they pronouns, because I have never yeah. really heard someone talk about what it means to them. I yeah. mean, if I'm being completely honest, I'm also interested, because I'm still figuring it out, but I think that... For such a long time, um, being queer, like, and this is kind of going to go off subject a little bit, but I've always had to wear certain kind of, like, certain masks in my life based off of other people's projections of me uh, or on me and assumptions of who I am, like, you know, certain roles, I'd be the caretaker for my sister or I'd have to be, uh, you know, the leader of a group or whatever. Um, But, like, being queer was never a mask it was kind of just a truth in who I who I am it just exists so I've never had to think about you know my expression as far as being like masculine because I've always just I've always just and I think a part of it is like when I was super young I didn't know that I could be a gay woman I remember like looking in the mirror like after I took a shower when I was like seven and I just had cut my hair kind of short because I was like I have to be a boy or else I can't like girls so I didn't understand the concept that I could be mm. a girl and like girls until probably like, I don't know, I guess middle school when I really started to understand that, wow, I have this like innate attraction towards women and it's not something that I'm thinking about. It's just happening to me. Um, and then again, this is where the masks come in because I was taught and conditioned to feel like that type of quote lifestyle isn't right so it's kind of this moment of like you know your head versus your heart and my mind 
was being told to think a certain way, my heart was confused. So from a very young age, I had issues with even trusting myself and trusting my intuition. So fast forward to coming out and understanding that it's okay to just be who I am. Um, then I started to, it wasn't like in the last year, I'd say I've really explored my gender identity because it's always been so, and this is like, I don't know if this is going to make sense, but I've always viewed my sexuality as like being kind of heteronormative, like because I express myself masculine, like, okay, I'm still a woman though. But when I started to think about it and like people, you know, it's becoming such a normalized thing to ask people their pronouns. People would call me they and them. And it was never this jarring because people call me sir all the time. And it makes me uncomfortable because I don't identify it as a man. Um, so, like, all my friends started, like, looking further into their gender identity. And I think what I'm trying to say is that I identify with both. So, like, if someone calls me she, her, I, I do feel like a woman. I do identify in that gender binary, cis, this is my body, and I express myself this way. But I also do identify with not being in the binary at all and it's kind of like it's interesting because i feel them both at the same time it's not like one day i'm like oh I'm, i want to go by they them and the next day she her it's like i feel them both at the same time so i don't know if any of that made sense and no totally i mean i think it it's a lot for me to like try to wrap my mind around just because it's not something that i personally feel or have like really given that much thought to like for myself but it's such a it's such an interesting way to describe it, I guess. I've never heard anyone say that before. So, I mean, it gives me a lot to think about for sure. But I think it was like, I think it's a really beautiful way to say it, actually. I think, too, like, as I get older, I realize that, you know, a lot of times, especially in the queer community, I think that before you come out, right, you're just, you're trying to fit in and just have, like, blend in and, like, people accept you and think you're cool, which is, you know, a huge reason why I was class clown in high school was because the only way I knew how to divert attention to the things I didn't want to think about or talk about was to be the funny one. Mm -hmm. And so it made me extremely perceptive. I can read people very well. I know if someone's a good person, I know if someone has bad intentions and I know if someone is projecting on me. So for me, it's like, I think a lot of people, um, they don't want to explore their gender identity because they think they're going to be judged or like it's used as an aesthetic which I have seen before and that's unfortunate and exploits the people who actually go through the, the struggle of understanding their own gender mm. but I think like at the end of the day it's like we have no ties to anything so it's like not to be morbid but we we're all going to die right that's the only thing we don't have control over so I think that like in these scenarios people just want control so what's your identity? I need to know your pronouns. It's like, well, maybe I don't know. And that's okay too. Um, I think that like, I feel best when I'm just being a good person. And I'm, I don't know, like if someone misgenders me, I'm not gonna like rip their head off because they're not, they're not doing it. I mean, I've had, I've had many people uh, like call me faggot and like, you know, try to get under my skin and you're this, you're that. And I'm like, okay, well, I hope that your day gets better because it's not personal to me. Um, but yeah, I guess I just, I don't know. I, I, 
I relate to both is what I'm trying to say. I think that's super interesting because I feel like I also, I've always thought, you know, I, I read people well as well. And I can mm-hmm. kind of always, I feel like I'm a good judge of character. I can kind of recognize where things are coming from, but I've never thought of that in terms of like queerness and how, you know, when you were minimizing that part of your identity, like, yeah, but I've never thought about it in terms of like sexuality or gender or any of that. I just kind of thought that it's like, you know, something you're born with, but I never really thought of that and how it could kind of arise as a response of our childhoods. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's like, I mean, it's all, I think, deep rooted, unless you're fortunate enough to have a family that was like, hell yeah, you're fucking gay. Love that for you. I was not fortunate enough to have that. So even I with think three that- gay kids. Yeah, my mom was not accepting at all. And um, she thought that she had, like, failed us as, as a parent because we were gay. Um, and my brother came out in high school. He came out to me and my twin and said that he was bi, which I immediately cackled at because it's just not – you don't have to lie to me anymore, sweetheart. <laughs> like, you're gay. It's okay. And then I was like, this is the perfect opportunity for me to say I am also gay. So – it was a very sweet moment um and it was like i don't know solidified that it's not something that is a choice obviously you said before that you felt like you've kind of always identified with like heteronormativity in some way yeah i think was how you phrase it could you elaborate on what you meant by that yeah i think just like my exposure to i never had like exposure to queerness honestly until I was like a freshman in high school when the L word came out um which is <laughs> extremely problematic in yeah the L word that came out oh, with the L word the L word yeah I thought you said um, outward and I was like is that like onward the Disney Pixar movie <laughs> outward bound um <laughs> yeah so I like before that time I had only been exposed to uh, like heterosexual romance in general, obviously, because it's all over media and everything that we consume. And um, so my idea, going back to when I was younger and like, I had to be a boy. So when I realized, okay, I can still be a girl and like women, then it kind of transitioned in my mind, well, I have to act like the boy. I have to do this. I have to pay for every meal. I have to open every door. I have to do, and not that that is not, you know, like, fine and chivalrous or whatever um but as i as i and i think it's just like a a, an age thing too for me an experience thing like i try to detach myself from my identity and look at it objectively and then from there like figure out actually what is serving me and what have i been doing based off of you know like my environment so like when i see people now like, um, I usually do go for more feminine presenting people, uh, which is why I say that I'm queer because like, I would date a non-binary person um, that was femme or female bodied um, just based off of, you know, what I'm attracted to. Um, But I think that there's this pressure that I've taken off of myself to constantly feel like I have to be extremely masculine at all times. which not to be like TMI, but like, especially in the bedroom, like when I was first having sex, I was like, oh, I have to like, I have to be super masculine, like do all this because you're, you know, and and in porn, especially like you're exposed to this certain dynamic. Um, But now it's just like, I feel like I can be 
my most authentic self. And that is like my safe space having sex. So it's something that I've definitely grown in, grown away from, but I recognize it. Um, and it, it's extremely, it makes me like uncomfy when I see that dynamic in public because it's just like perpetuating these like really unhealthy uh, dynamics between people. You know, it's like that. I don't know where we ever got this idea that like a healthy relationship is like, I need to go through your phone and see where you are. Who are you talking to? Why haven't you posted me on Snapchat? Like stuff like that. And I think that that's part of the heteronormative dynamic. I could be wrong. It's just my perception of it maybe. So do you think that you're more, what you were saying, if I'm understanding you correctly, is that you're not necessarily attracted to like women. It's less about like sex and gender and more about like gender presentation, I guess. Like you're more attracted to like feminine energy. I would say that I also know that that's a generalization and we're all complex and like we can't boil it down to like you know what are you attracted to but yeah of course I mean I like many people I think have a certain type that I end up being you know like uh uh-oh again (laughs) because you have uh dark hair and light eyes and freckles like it's just a thing that comes (laughs) towards me (laughs) (laughs) I'm also I think that is like the first thing that I, obviously the first thing that I noticed is my eyeballs, but it's also, you know, the complexity of, is this person compassionate, intelligent, kind, and are they on a journey to love themselves? Um, but I personally am sexually attracted to like the female body. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I've never, yeah, just that. In a, so like, a non-binary person who is female-bodied would be something that I would still be attracted to personally. Um, but yeah, if that I hope that cleared it up a little bit. Yeah, it did. Yeah, totally. okay. I've just I've never heard someone use the term female-bodied before. I feel like I've heard it. I've heard people say like assigned female at birth, but is mm. female-bodied like another? I feel like it's a nicer way because I feel like I hear too all the time like genetic women or like genetic and i feel like female body is Ooh, a much like more that. like i feel like female body is a much more like almost like gentle way i don't know i mean i'm definitely if i'm offending anyone i apologize i'm also not like the most uh like woke when it comes to specific terms because i also feel like they're they're ever changing and absolutely like, i can only say what's true for me and like i would say that even as a non-binary person i am female bodied like female as the sex obviously that i'm speaking about um i mean intersex does exist uh so i mean i can't exclude those people either so like yeah i guess ultimately it's uh like sounds vulgar but i just i and i know meg is gonna laugh when she hears this but i just like (laughs) so that's kind of like where i'm at (laughs) uh like in that realm to be blunt and to get to the point of the question. I got you. I love it. Hi, mom. <laughs> Hello, Beverly. She would never listen to this, but it's fine. <laughs> so for everyone listening, the way Gray has come into our circles is because Gray is very close with our good friend, Meg. So I was having a conversation with Meg like a week ago, and she mentioned to me that you are Polly or dabble in Paul I don't even I I literally know nothing about the subject at all I don't even know how to like phrase it like you are Polly you engage in 
Polly. <laughs> Can we talk about that? Engage in Polly. Wow. I don't know. Polly Sci. <laughs> I am Polly Science. Polytheistic. <laughs> Um, Polly Pocket. I uh, <laughs> I am exploring non-monogamy and polyamory, uh, which are they're again umbrella terms for obviously not monogamous uh, interactions. And I can't say that, like in theory, sounds amazing. So basically, I'll just give you the the the, the dynamic that comes to mind and in one type of polyamorous relationship. So I would have a primary partner. So let's say that my primary partner is Meg for conversation's sake. Now, Meg may have, and we are each other's primary partners. So that means like we give each other the most time, we give each other the most, you know, emotionally. And this is just for me personally, it could be different person to person. Um, And obviously boundaries are very important. Uh, communicating all the time, making sure everyone's on the same page. So let's say that I've been with Meg for five months and then I start to talk to this other person and I really like them. So I would start to date that person and if we had a conversation about it, they may become my secondary partner, which means that I set boundaries saying, hey, this is my primary partner, Meg. Uh, I'm able to give you this much time, this much of my emotional capacity, so on and so forth. If Meg ever meets my secondary partner, we will just call her Kylie. I don't know why I said that, but... (laughs) She's a billionaire. (laughs) She's a billionaire. Love that. (laughs) Manifest it. If they meet, then they would be considered metamors, which means they don't have a sexual relationship, but they are friends. It's it's just one way of describing Polly. Mm -hmm. Um, When I was in my monogamous relationship with my ex-girlfriend, we dabbled in poly a little bit and we dated the same person at the same time so that's another dynamic where you have that thruple which i think is like a thing in gay guy like i don't know a lot of gay men are like thruple i don't know maybe that's not true. <laughs> read us <laughs> um, us not, are you in a thruple we are gay men i don't know you guys just get so excited about that word so it is thrown around a lot i think that if the intent is a good one it could be very successful. I think the idea for me of being able to hold space for multiple people um, sexually and emotionally is like very intriguing to me. Mm-hmm. And I've always grown up with the idea that monogamy is the end all be all. And if one person doesn't want to be mm-hmm. with just me and only me, then I'm not worthy of love. Um, and so I think it's right now at this point in my life, like being single, I've never actually just been single. I've always jumped into a committed relationship. So it's kind of just for me exploring like how it makes me feel and like if I like it, if I don't like it um, and not putting that pressure on myself to say, yes, I'm, I'm poly high. Like mm-hmm. I just say that I'm non-monogamous because it is upfront enough that if someone wants to explore something with me, they know automatically I'm not looking for a relationship in a monogamous capacity. So got it. Uh, so when you yeah. say something like that, when you meet someone and say, I'm non-monogamous, does that, are, are you thinking like maybe later down the line we could be, but it's just like for this point in time, like that's not what's on my, that's not what I want for myself right now. Yeah, I think, and like, that's the thing too, is like a lot of my triggers come from monogamy because like in my childhood, <laughs> about to get deep, but I was like emotionally, I had emotionally like avoided 
get parents. Like I didn't, I was never really emotionally supported. So I would attach myself to my partners. So it's more just my way of unconditioning myself to understand that I can be that support system on my own and I can, you know, be separate from the person that I'm seeing. So I think that monogamy is healthy if you approach it in that way, if you approach it in a way that's like, I don't know, you're not both like poking each other's wounds and then like calling it love. Um, and I see that. Yeah, I see that way too often. So I like, I would commit to somebody if it felt, if it felt right. And I did the work, but I'm just on my self-discovery journey and it just started. So not for a while. Yeah. Yeah, You are very emotionally intelligent. Yeah. I mean, at least seemingly from this conversation. (laughs) I mean, yeah. I also, I just feel like as somebody who had to, I've dealt with a lot of, you know, like mental illnesses my whole life, hypochondria, OCD, ADD. And, you know, those things, it's, it's kind of like almost comical because I've always been the person who's put myself down the most, you know, you could say anything Mm -hmm. to me. It's not going to hurt my feelings as much as I hurt my own feelings. So those things are the things that I've really been trying to just look inward and I, and, and it's funny because like my gender, my sexuality never even comes into play when I'm, when I'm in those moments of like anxiety and tension. Um, and we all share this like collective right now, this collective trauma with everything that's going on. So it's yeah. either like you could really snowball downward or you could, you know, become stronger. And I, I'm trying to choose the latter. So we'll see how it goes. When you said like the whole monogamy thing is like, the end all be all forced on that idea is really forced on us from a young age. I really, I really resonate with that as a gay couple. We don't necessarily feel, I I think that the pressure of monogamy is a little less than it might be for other, for like straight couples, for example, because, and I think Mm -hmm. I've said this before on the podcast, like, when we are like walking down the street or something, like if I see someone who I think is hot, like I will point him out right away to Dave and I'll be like, holy fuck, like he is so hot. And Dave will be like, um, he'll either be like, eh, like not my type or be like, oh my God, he is so hot. Like, whereas I feel like with straight couples, so often you hear that- like, The insecurity people, comes in. You, you straight up just like can't even like look at somebody else who might be attractive. And I feel like that probably just like manifests so negatively and probably creates re- uh, like resentment that people don't ever attribute to the fact that, you know, monogamy and the pressures of monogamy have created this. Mm-hmm. And so there is, a, there is like a bit of a relief there because it's not like, I don't care who you are, like you don't, even if you, when you get into a monogamous relationship, you don't be, you don't stop becoming attract, attracted to like other people. people. It it just doesn't work like that. Um, Mm. And so being able to kind of like get out some of that in like conversation and being able to just like talk about people we think are hot. Like I don't have to repress my attraction for other people in Mm. my relationship. And that makes monogamy in my experience, a lot more manageable and a lot easier to like live with. There's no, like, I don't feel like I have to suppress my sexuality or my sexual energy and reserve it solely for one other person. But I for that also for has a lot to do with communication too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Kind of like you were saying earlier, like it, 
I would imagine it would create problems if you know you don't set those boundaries and you don't have that open channel of communication you would be more likely to like if if you were to say like that person's hot and Dave was like you aren't on the same page like there would be that right. like hostility but I totally understand I completely agree with what you're saying yeah I think that for me too like and I think for a lot of people monogamy is just a crutch um to project your wounds onto the other person honestly i think that if two people who are meeting in the middle and are making an adult decision about committing themselves to one another um and like you find someone attractive and the other person is immediately having this emotional reaction i think that that says a lot more about you know what that person in their journey and that is a huge red flag to me because like yes you're going to be attracted to other people. And I relate to that too, because a lot of times in every relationship I've been in that was monogamous, I've always felt this humongous guilt um, about finding someone else attractive or maybe having like a flirtatious moment. And I would like run home to my partner and be like, I flirted with this person at work. And they're like, okay, who cares? Like people are hot. And like, because I didn't get that reaction I was expecting, like, how could you, how dare you? Um, it was just like a little bit surprising to me because I had always been fed this idea that you have to be controlling. You have to like keep your eyes on one person and, and that's it. So, I mean, personally for me, it like, yes, it, it can make me feel trapped in that sense, which is why I think like in a perfect world, um, if I was to explore monogamy, I think that I would just want to build a really good foundation of trust and understanding with that person. Um, and then, you know, down the line, open up to the idea of, Hey, do you want to have sex with this person? Like I trust myself enough and you and our connection enough to know that, like, if that's something you want to explore, I want to be able to give that to you because I love you. And it's not about me and it's not personal because I know I'm, I'm an attractive person, but I'm not the only one on this planet. So, mm. and there are needs that I think, especially sexually, like, <laughs> one person can give me and someone else can't and vice versa. So that's another reason why commitment is a little bit like, I feel like at a certain point, am I going to just, you know, be this monotonous uh, version that one person gets. And it's my own, it's my own ego, you know, being afraid of abandonment and rejection. Um, And I think a lot of us feel that way too, but it is, I don't know. It's pretty liberating to like accept that. Okay. Like this person is sleeping with someone else, but they also want to have that connection with me. So jealousy exists no matter where you look. Poly monogamy, non-monogamy is something that I think will always exist, but talking about it is super important. The way you deliver information is super important because Mm -hmm. you can't, you know, attack people for the way that they feel um so yeah i think that and and like the same thing with it kind of rolls into like your gender identity whereas like monogamy can mean what it means to you doesn't just have to be we're closed forever to the idea of anyone else Mm -hmm. it can be okay one night i'm feeling like we should have a fucking fivesome all right baby let's do it like that (laughs) doesn't mean we're not monogamous yeah it just means that we're having a good night like so yeah everything is subjective and like as long as you're being safe and like you were saying aaron like communication is super important so 
Yeah. Well, it's super interesting. I was talking a little bit about it with Meg like a week ago. And one mm. thing that she said that really resonated with me that made me think about it in kind of a new way is like, obviously we're seeing now that what, 60, 50 to 60% of like marriages don't work out. Like mm -hmm. they end in divorce. And it's because, you know, we're, we are constantly growing as people and we're constantly evolving and we're all on this journey. And, you know, when you're only limiting yourself to one person, it's like you're kind of limiting your growth in a way when you're, when you're right. open to like exploring, not necessarily like, you know, going and having sex with everybody that you meet, if you want to do that power to you. But like, if you're just like open to growing with multiple people, as opposed to just one, like you're going to continue to grow so much more as a person from exposing yourself to all these different people and like having all these different experiences. And, you know, whether it's just flirting, whether it's sex, whatever it is, it's your own fucking business, but it's, it's gonna like just change how you are at the end of the day a lot. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, I totally agree. I mean, I think there's there's so much to be said about like us as creatures, as you know, our biology is that like we're supposed to like procreate essentially. Yeah, like if you have, yeah, exactly. So continue like, the bloodline. <laughs> yeah. So we have you know, we have these like innate desires to like be attracted and to like have sex. Mm -hmm. And I think, like I said, like the way that I said it before is like, I'll repeat that is that, you know, you, just because you get into a relationship with one person doesn't I mean you stop being attracted to everybody else. Like your sex drive is not like, I, I'm not a biologist, but like you're not designed to be only wanting to reproduce with like one other person. So it's not like, it is part of our DNA that we want that we're interested in other people. And I think a lot of that release can come in from that communication that you were talking about. Yeah. I mean, I wonder how much of that com that comfort that any of us feel with that comes from the fact that we have queer relationships. I mean, I think it's, I can't project myself onto a, a, a heterosexual relationship or even put myself in those shoes. Why would you want like, to? I don't, know, I don't know why. But like, it. there's definitely something that's so much easier about like being attracted to the same person. So being able to have that conversation. Whereas like, if I was attracted to one group of people and my partner was attracted to the, like something totally different, saying like that person is really hot, I'd be like, oh, okay. Like, what do you want me to do with mm. this information? I, I also think that there are like, levels to and this is like another thing with understanding um actually like how much control that we do have over you know the decisions that we make regarding our connection with people like just because i find you attractive and want to fuck you doesn't mean that it's going to serve both of us so if you are best like in my life as my friend then that is where you should be i think a lot mm -hmm. of people just move very quickly especially with lust and attraction and they kind of forget to uh, set down those like foundations of like, are we even compatible? Like, yeah. do we even, will we last longer than two months? Um, and for yeah. me, like I've kind of learned um, the different ways that I'm attracted to people. Like if I just want to fuck you, I'm probably, yeah, I'll probably cuddle you. But like, if I really like you, I'm going to like kiss your eyelids. You know what I mean? Like, and mm -hmm. those are things that I know within myself that, I don't have to give to everyone. And it, I think that's a beautiful thing too, is like in that communication saying, Hey, you're, you're just a fuck buddy or Hey, you're just somebody I want to make out with when I like go out to the bar or Hey, you're actually somebody that I want to talk to about. Like, I don't know, like 
fucking mandala effect and like <laughs> kind of a spotless mind like it, it, it's oh, just great it, movie. The goes on and on so i think that like that's something that a lot of us do because we're insecure we just jump into things and i mean i'm sure you guys can attest to have your you've both changed so much within just the last six months yeah like 20 minutes <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah i thought i saw a little five o'clock shadow no yeah. no you absolutely did not <laughs> i haven't shaved in like over a week it, it, really? it doesn't exist the jawline is like slicing me right right through the phone so oh thank you i oh, thank really you <laughs> settle down <laughs> you two i was like you her already <laughs> <laughs> Gray already said she's not attracted to uh, people who are not female-bodied, so it actually jumping onto that too. I would <laughs> love to speak a little bit about what we talked about on that Facetime like a week ago about your experience with gay men. You guys are like uh, doing a lot all the time. Um, you're not wrong. Not all of you. Most I'm of us. I'm just generalizing. And you can generalize. You absolutely ought to generalize. Yeah, I get hit on by gay men, and it's not like a, wow, you're very attractive. It's a, will you put a strap on and stick it in my ass? Shut like, up. <laughs> my manager from work asked me that. Shut um, up. Like, I'll stop talking. Did you file, like, a sexual harassment claim? <laughs> no, because here's the fucking, the thing oh, about... Should. I mean, I 100%. I need, we all know I need the money. Um, but <laughs> I just think that it's like, I don't know. I think that gay men sometimes can fetishize masculine, even femme women. Like, and it's very strange to me because it's like, okay, you do understand that you're still being disgusting and like you're objectifying me. And like, I, I don't know. And he's not the first person to do it. Like, I have another coworker who's like, you're so sexy. And like, we'll rub. Like, he grabbed my hip the other day and, like, started rubbing my hip and was like, wow, you're just so hot, Gray. And I had to tell him not to put his fucking hands on me. Like, just because you're gay does not make it all right for you to uh, harass me. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I'm not really sure where the mindset is there. Maybe it's because I, I look so masculine that they're just, like... I think there is, and I've seen a lot of, like, posts and pieces about this, that there is some weird like entitlement that a lot of gay men feel towards women's bodies by and large in society there is some weird taught thing that like men are entitled to women's bodies which is like bullshit but i think there's like another weird level of it when it comes to gay men and that in their mind they're like i'm not a predator i'm your friend therefore like what i'm doing to you is not actually like i'm not sexually harassing you because i don't want to have sex with you so like me touching you isn't an issue when in reality it's like that is like a big part of it but that's not everything right you're you're still violating my body i don't care whether you're you want to have sex with me or not and so i think there's like a disconnect there Mm. um and i think part of a lot of it too probably is that like there is a lot of groping that happens at like gay bars and gay clubs that is like super like normalized to a degree. Yeah. So I wouldn't be surprised if men are like, well, this happens to me all the time and I like don't think anything of it. So like 
this is even this is like <laughs> less of a cycle yeah like this is less of a problem because like i'm not groping you because i'm into you like you're just my friend and it's like well you're you're still groping me whether you're attracted to me or not you know right. a lot of time pack yeah it, oh, I have so many suitcases <laughs> <laughs> i find it ironic especially because um like i like for example you know straight women who feel entitled to gay men's bodies. Oh, well, you're a gay man, so it doesn't matter. You're fucking hot. I'm just gonna, like, grab your dick, like, in the club. Like, that's not cute either. So I, I'm i not really sure. It, to me, it, it, it just boils down to, like, you're being really fucking selfish. Human decency. Yeah, yeah, because you're not even, you're not even self-aware enough to, like, th- have one thought in your head. Wow, I should probably see if this person's okay with me touching them. So that doesn't exist. So... I'm probably not going to like you as a person, period. Um, and then you're just crossing a line on top of it. Should we circle back to anything? What's your Tinder bio? Are you on Tinder? My Tinder bio? Yeah, I am on Tinder. I'm on fucking Tinder, Bumble, Hinge, and they're all... At this point, it's kind of like... Remember that game RuneScape? We're just like going in different directions. <laughs> yes. It's kind of just no up. real purpose. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's like Candy Crush at this point. I'm on it, but... Uh, it's very hard for me to stay um, interested in somebody. So I'll have like a few like back and forth things. And if like some person's not, I don't know, bantering with me the way that I banter, then it's probably like not going to happen. But I don't know. My bio is pretty, pretty straightforward. It just says like, I'm a Leo. And um, like, if you like Bob's Burgers, welcome home. It's my favorite show of all time. I'm masking all of my trauma with like comedy and selflessness. I don't know, something that's like sad, but also funny. (laughs) (laughs) Something that's masking your trauma with comedy. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes, exactly. Um, But obviously quarantine has made it pretty difficult and you described yourself as queer masculine. And so I know Meg described herself as like queer femme. I'm just wondering like, what does that identity, and I think you've talked about it a bit, but like, what does that, what do you want that to say about you, I guess? When you say, like, hey, I'm gray, I'm queer masculine, like, what are you trying to portray about yourself? I think, ultimately, when people, like, meet me or try to understand who I am, like, first, uh, like, just the initial, like, what they get for me, it's kind of like, I just want to be an umbrella. So, like, an umbrella, and I use umbrella terms all the time because, again, I don't ever want to put myself in this, like, box to say, I'm this and that, and it's definite, and it's forever. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, queer, I'm not straight. Uh, mask, I'm not femme. So it's kind of just, you know, and I think the more that I look extremely masculine. So, like, that's just something that's always been comfortable for me. Um, like, even sometimes if I'm, like, wearing a loose fitted shirt i like that you can't really see my tits Mm -hmm. but like sometimes if i'm wearing like just a sports bra i'm like okay i like that you can see my tits like but i'm still presenting masculine so um i think it's like case-to-case basis like i feel like you guys are both pretty i would say you're both pretty masculine just from what i'm like getting from the both of you but maybe i'm wrong i get differing reviews on that really yeah Mm-hmm. I think I I think my gender I think I present unless I'm like going out of my way to not I think I present pretty masculine um mm-hmm. and then I open my mouth 
and people are like, okay, maybe not as much as we thought. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think I present masculine in the, ter- in the regard of like, nobody really ever mistakes me for like a female or for a woman, you know, in, in yeah. that regard, but like in the sexuality spectrum and in the, in the gay world, I think that a lot of people probably view me as more feminine. And then, so, which is like interesting because I think that as people get to know me more, they're like, oh, you're not really that feminine, but I just like kind of come off. I don't know. Yeah. We're I complex. Think, <laughs> yeah. I think that's interesting. Cause I don't think I would, I don't think I would say, well, maybe cause you know, I know you well, but I wouldn't say that you're particularly feminine. I think a lot of the things that would make people describe you or me as feminine are just things that we have gendered. I mean, this is getting into a whole other conversation, but like, I think it's by doing little things that are like, we're supposed to be like reserved for women, mm-hmm. you know? Um, people are like, oh, you must be feminine. And it's like, well, I guess if you want to call that feminine, but. I think it again relates back to like, kind of how we were talking about with sexuality. It's not, it's not one spectrum. It's kind of like a three-dimensional, four-dimensional, yeah. multi-axial Four-dimensional. Thing crazy you can touch it you can feel it <laughs> i would love to touch and or feel it i think people Ooh. are just no- nosy in general yes um, like they just like I, I keep that's why i try not to put so much pressure on myself like i know this is how i am so okay there's a word for it it's masculine we all understand the word that's what it means if that word was feminine and it was the way that i present it, it i'd be feminine but like i said we as a, a fucking species need to constantly be in control and these are things that we can control is like how we can relate to people how we can understand what words mean if you're acting feminine that makes you what no different you're still who you are so it can get for me frustrating because it gets so saturated with like what are you you know that it's like you're do you actually care about who i am as a person well i think especially especially when we like first meet people or like when uh, in, in like the, in the surface level relationships, people just want to like understand us enough so that they can say like, okay, I get you. And then they kind of move on. It's that they don't want to know the complex, like we, we as people don't necessarily want to know the complexities of other people. We just want to like understand them enough to be like, okay, I get enough. I like, I, I, I get who you are. I, I think I would agree with it more if you said something like, initially like it takes a lot to understand the complexities of people so we ask like certain questions and try to build like just like a basis baseline foundation of like okay i've Mm. checked off a few boxes i've got the bare bones of like of your identity yeah now i can move forward and like i'm gonna know how to interact with you on like a certain level when it's like well i guess i'm thinking less in like a in a foundational regard of like someone that you actually want to build a relationship with and like have a, you know, like have a friendship and that with it's in, in the relationships where you meet someone briefly and it like kind of stays surface. That's in the regard mm. where I'm picturing where I'm like, okay, I just want to like know enough about you so that I can like have a bit, ba- have a basic knowledge and move on. Right. Yeah. It's like, I think like social natural selection. <laughs> you're kind of just like, are you making the cut? Uh, guy that grabbed my hip. Nope. You're not making the cut. <laughs> you know, like, you just figure out where people fit best into your life. And I think that that's, like, really cool. And especially now, like, I think making connections with anyone is very magnified because you're just looking for, like, tethers to make you feel normal. Um, and so 
that's another area in my life where I have to constantly examine, like, you know, if I go out on a date with somebody and right before I grab my keys to leave, do I pick up the rose colored glasses? Do I want to see that person as the way I want them to be to me? Or do I leave them at home and like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I think there's just a lot of things that we do as people in relation to other people that are, we are just like, those people are mirrors to us. So we have to be really careful with the way that we like walk through our relationships. And I mean, I could go on and on, but um, I think that like, again, bringing it back to my own identity, it's something that I can control and I have no control over it at the same time. So uh, is there any advice that you would give to your younger self or oh anyone my God, who's listening? You had to do it, Aaron. I had to. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you knew it was coming. Come on. I mean, listen, I don't know. I, uh, is it easier if we say like, if you were looking at a, a little gay kid right now or a little queer mask kid right now, what would you tell them? Sometimes the people closest to you don't have to be the people closest to you. How you feel is valid, no matter what it is. And um, I think that like, things will not be okay. Like, I think a lot of times we try to, you know, lie to ourselves to make ourselves feel better. But ultimately, like, it's a fucking journey. Um, and I think that making relationships and connections with other people is vital to understanding what love is um, with yourself and how to express it and receive it without feeling guilt or shame or like you don't deserve it because you do deserve it. I have another question for you, Gray. This one's a little more fun. What is the, the gayest or the queerest thing you did this week? Um, well, there's a lot on that list. <laughs> What I would say <laughs> well, what's at the, the top one, of the list? The one that <laughs> takes the cake is probably uh, opening my eyes when I wake up in the morning. It's probably the gayest thing that I've done mm. all week. And it happens, knocking on wood, every morning. <laughs> oh, my, <laughs> oh my God. God. I mean, yeah. I feel like oh. the gayest thing you guys have done this week is this podcast. Like, I don't know. It's like clearing the air, right? It's pretty gay. Oh yeah, the gayest thing that I've did this week for I mean I've done it a couple times. Um the US Open started a few days ago and I've my I'm with my parents and my aunt right now and they have been watching it pretty consistently. Every time there is some guy who's like even moderately attractive, I'm straight to the Wikipedia page, straight to oh the God. Instagram. I'm like You mean who gay to the Wikipedia page? Hey. I'm going to ignore that one. <laughs> and I'm like straight to the mic. How hot is he in real life or does he just look hot on the tennis court right now? Um, wow. What's tennis? the ratio? Mostly tennis court? Mostly tennis court. And what was the gayest thing you did this week? The gayest thing I did this week is this morning I had a very fascinating interview for a documentary project I'm working on about the sex work industry. Um, yes, was, I will be watching. I'm working on it with my friend Shelby for everyone listening. I haven't really talked about it at all on the podcast or in my personal life yet. You know, I guess this is a good time to start teasing it. It's probably going to drop in like a month. Um, Ooh, I'm so excited. <laughs> the interview today was really, really fascinating. She was really well-spoken. Great. Hey. If people want to find you, 
or if you want to be found even, where can Socially. people find you on social media? Not like an address. No, like what's your social security number, your address, apartment Listen, number? Listen, take my identity. It's really fine. I've been doing like kind of like a social media <laughs> cleanse, but I do check Instagram like three to five times a day. So my so handle is... Nine to six hundred times a day. I'm I just impressed. post pictures of me and my cat. It's really the only reason I'm on there. But um, it's underscore K-W-I-E-R underscore. It's the phonetic spelling of queer. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Maddie Roar. And you can find me everywhere, Aaron Idelson. And you can find our Instagram for this podcast, Queering the Air Pod. Yeah, follow us. One cause that Gray wanted to highlight was white people for black lives. The Instagram is WP, the number four, BL. Yes, that is in LA. Um, Meg, I think, is a part of their like little thing. They do Zoom meetings. I watched one. It was really, really fucking good. Is they, that just like open to anyone to, to, jo- so to watch? So if you want to like, if you want to be actually a part of like going to like events and stuff, I'm pretty sure you have to live in the LA area. But they have an Instagram um, and they do so many things like it's not just protesting and things like that um blm philly is a really good one here um i think just you know starting to like i said uncondition your mind and recondition it into being a compassionate and understanding person is a great cause for everyone so good first step (laughs) good first baby step yes love that i appreciate you so much thank you so much for doing this awesome You're both so cute and fun and kind and nice, and I really appreciate it. Great. We're not your type, but thank you. Yeah, stop flirting with me. You're giving me butterflies. (laughs) Sorry, guys. We have to get our own HR department. (laughs) Well, I hope you enjoy the rest of your day. You too. You too. Bye. Bye. Bye.